Welcome to Be Advised, Leading with Value with Brad Swinehart. In this podcast, we will focus on successful marketing methods for advisors that generate prospects and clients. We will learn from the best in the industry on how advisors in the trenches today are growing their practices. Join us for this journey where Brad draws from years of expertise and guest experts to help advisors reach their full potential. This podcast is brought to you by White Gloves Podcast Connect Program, a done-for-you, fully integrated podcasting system that will help you keep in touch with all of your leads. A keynote speaker and coach who offers vibrant, insightful, and functional observations to help financial professionals grow their skills and business. That is Frank Maselli, a best-selling author and award-winning speaker, and he is here with your host, Brad Swinehart. So, Brad, tell us more about Frank. Mm. Frank, hey. hey, buddy. It is so good to be chatting with you again. Thank you. You too. It's been a while. Man, yeah, we've, well, we've hung out for what, like five or six years now? Amazing. Learning, learning from everything. I tell you, listeners here, I've seen Frank speak and do coaching easily more than a dozen times. And most of those were the same presentation. And every single time I learned something and mm-hmm. I That's took good. more away. And I laugh my ass off because Frank is the funniest dude you've ever seen. <laughs> and I really appreciate you being on the show, man. Thank you. No, it's a pleasure to be back with you. I love doing this. So I'm happy to do it. So you wrote, like I always tell people, you wrote like the book, right? The book on seminars when it comes to being a financial advisor, what you should do and why. I don't know if it's the book. It's, it is. it's one of a few books, but it's a pretty good it's, one. No, it's, it's the book. Yeah. Well, I'll take that. I'll take that. That's great. No, it's uh, it's been around a while. It's in fourth edition. I'm doing the fifth edition as we speak. So getting ready to launch some new stuff. Pretty exciting. And let's rewind a little bit. Before you were this expert on helping advisors actually know what the heck a presentation is, you were an advisor. Sure. So how did you get your start? Pure stupidity and desperation. (laughs) No, no, no. Honest to God. I spent the first year of my life as an advisor doing what a lot of advisors do, which was cold calling. And I hated every minute. I thought it was the stupidest possible marketing thing in the world. And I was struggling. I mean, I did well, but I didn't like it. I really wasn't having a good time. Wait, you didn't like cold calling, Frank? That's so bizarre. Everybody loves it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Find me five people who truly love cold calling. I think that'd be very hard. But Honestly, I got to give props to a guy. His name is Michael Kahn, and he was a branch manager. He was my first branch manager. I was a wirehouse guy with a, a firm called Dean Witter. Mike called me into his office. He saw that I was struggling. He said, look, you did really well, but I don't think you're happy. I said, Mike, I hate this. I can't stand this. I really don't enjoy what I'm doing, and I think I'm going to leave the business. I had been an army officer. I had done a few other things. So I figured I had a career someplace. And he said, look, you're too good to leave. I want you to try something. Will you try it? I said, I'll try anything. He says, I want you to try seminars. I think you'd be really good at seminars. I said, I'll give it a shot. What the hell? And I did my first seminar. I got 30 people in the room. I opened 15 new accounts. And I said, oh, my God, this is hysterically fun. And it works. It works like crazy. And I did 4,000 public seminars. I was doing seven seminars a week. Um, wow. So yeah, it was a long-winded answer to your question, but yes, I've been doing these a long time and I love doing them more than anything in the world. So for 4,000 in-person seminars. At least, yeah. At least, yeah. yeah. And you just loved it, didn't you? If you're doing it seven days a week, that's something that you like to do. 
I was doing them Sunday mornings. I was doing brunches. I was doing, you know, I would do speaker circuit, which something, you know, nobody does anymore. But if two people gathered in a coat closet, I would come see you. I'd speak to you, you know, so I was doing clubs and organizations. It was fantastic. A lot of fun. A lot of fun. So fast forward to today, you've worked with White Glove for, oh, shoot, five, six years now, helping yeah. our advisors get better at seminar. You work with other advisors, you know, you, you're writing books, you're still doing the speaker circuit, right? But now you're getting in front of big groups of advisors, helping them. What do you think the key, and there's probably more than one, but what do you think the key is to having a seminar and have it be successful? The key hasn't really changed. I think it's modified to the degree that we're now doing more virtual work and virtual is a very different animal. But I think the fundamentals of presenting and of communicating are the same. And that to me is the emotion that the speaker, that the presenter is able to evoke in the minds of the audience. And that, that comes from theater. I mean, I did a lot of theater. And in theater, what is theater? Theater is a bunch of people on a stage trying to get a room full of strangers to feel something. And theater, you've got a great script, obviously, you know, Hamilton, you get all excited. But when you're talking about taxes <laughs> or you're talking about estate planning, where's the passion? Where's the excitement? How do you get that audience fired up? And the answer is you've got to find it and you've got to deliver it because the audience doesn't understand the finances. You could, you could give the most technically gifted presentation in the world, and they won't understand 95% of what you said. What they will understand is how they feel when they listen to you. And do they trust you? Do they believe in you? Do they think that you can solve their problem? And do they want to meet with you? So the key to me is always emotion. And the book is the nine critical emotions, obviously. So, but it's hard. It's very hard. Webinar, webinars are doubly, triply difficult from an emotional standpoint, because you're not there. You can't sense the room. So you have to really do some very special things for a webinar. But uh, yeah, it's all about emotion, I think, Brad. And uh, you know that you speak a lot too. So I'm guessing you figured this out as well. <laughs> I will say, you know, I'm one of the presenters that, that adapted to webinars because we had to, right? Like I when I was probably doing a hundred in-person speaking gigs between 2019 and 2020 and wow. very end of 2018, right? I was just hitting the road hard. And then 2020 went right to zero and mm. we actually held a webinar with advisors on it. There's probably four or 500 advisors on it. And we we're announcing that, hey, White Glove offers webinars now. And we had a total tech failure and the sound stopped working. So it's like, literally, we're okay, we're a seminar company doing webinars and we can't even do our own webinar, right? So it was like <laughs> this, this, I understand like adapting to webinars. So it was so like, for me, it was tough, right? Because you're you're 100% right. You don't have the audience. You don't know if they're laughing at your jokes or if they're bored out of their mind, if they got their arms crossed and they're sitting back in their seats. You don't know, right? Yeah. You just have to kind of fake it till you make it with webinars. And, yeah, you know, it, it, takes adapting. And I talk to a lot of advisors now about it and I'm saying, and I always tell them like, look, let's just be honest real quick. Like you weren't very good at seminars when you first did them either. So don't get too hard on yourself that you're not great at webinars. Right. You, know, you mentioned one thing, like you give an awesome technical presentation and how that makes that person feel. And what I've always experienced, like if I'm sitting in an audience and that person is going super in depth about all of these things, mm -hmm. one of two things is going to happen to me personally, one, I'm going to get bored, right? I might get bored. I might pop on the old, you know, the little act like a screenager here and just sit on this thing, <laughs> or I'm going to feel dumb 
because I mm. don't understand what the heck he's talking about. Now I'm like, well, I don't want to meet this guy because now I feel dumb and mm. I don't want to ask my questions and sound like an idiot in front of somebody. And not that I have a giant ego on me, but I'm a normal human being. I don't like to appear <laughs> uneducated. So how would you, as an advisor, right? I think that we live in this world of acronyms and, you know, different types of nuances that come to the mass complex financial world. Like, how do you, how do you get that message across that, Hey, I can help you without either boring them or making them feel stupid. Well, I mean, that's, that's a good question. Obviously that's the heart of the, the presentation process. I mean, you, you've got to tell, you've got to break down the, the entire discussion. First of all, what's the point of you being up in front of the room? What's the core message that you're trying to deliver? I call it the MIT, the MIT, the most important thing that you're trying to get that audience to, to feel for the event that you're delivering. So if I'm doing a, if I'm doing a tax seminar, okay, let's, let's pick something that's extremely boring, taxes. What's the most important thing that I want the audience to know? And I'll try to break that down into three pieces. First of all, taxes. And basically, this is what I want them saying to themselves as they're driving away or as they're turning off the screen and walking to dinner or whatever. Taxes suck, number one. Number two, taxes are likely, and I say for the first time in history, and I think this is true and I make the case for them, taxes are likely to go up in retirement. What, what the hell is that all about? That's never happened before. So taxes suck and they're going to suck worse pretty soon. And number three, you can do something about it. And wealthy people do this all the time. Why is it that the wealthiest people in the world don't pay taxes? Well, because they know some of the stuff that I'm about to show you tonight. And that's where you have some fun. Now the audience, I mean, God, they're engaged. You've given them the structure. Once you give them the structure and the most important things that they need to know, then you can build in and fill in with facts and stats and graphs and charts. And God knows we have way too much of that stuff in this business. But at the end of that workshop, they walk out and they go, oh, yeah, taxes suck. Taxes are going up and damn, I better do something about it. So th that's it. That's what they remember. And it's really very it's it's simple, but it's not simple. You know what I mean? It, yeah. It's simple to say. It's not necessarily simple to do all the time, but that's what we try to do. Well, one of the things that I've heard you say quite often, and I stole it from you, and now I say it too, is you, during that presentation, you create the dragon, right? Like you have to define it, right? Here's the sharp teeth. Here's the fire that comes out here. Here's all the scales that are impenetrable by arrows. Like you create that dragon and make them like understand like this giant, the tax train or, you know, the time bomb or whatever, but you have this giant looming thing that could hurt your retirement and that's taxes. And once you kind of define it and they start saying, okay, well, I know taxes are bad, but now I understand why I should be so, you know, not necessarily afraid, but so concerned. And then you slay the dragon. That's what you always tell me. Cause you, you, you have to slay it because people are already scared, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know. You can't hop on social media without getting scared. I think by design from some of, <laughs> some of the publishers out there, but can you talk <laughs> about that a little bit? Like, how do you really formulate that? And then what do you do about that innate fear that they already have? It's a great question. And they're coming to the workshop because they're scared. Years ago, we used to have to scare people at a workshop. I don't think that's ethical anymore. I really don't, because now you're just piling on. People who are coming to a workshop, whether they realize it consciously or not, they have a fear. There's a certain fear that's driving them there. There's a concern. We'll call it a concern. 
and, and the create the dragon part is to make them see what the problem is and how that problem is going to affect them. That's the create the dragon, but the slay the dragon that becomes the metaphor for the relationship. And if they can walk out or turn off your webinar and say, damn, this is a problem. And this guy seems to really understand it. And I think he's got the right arrows to solve this problem. That's all you can do. That's the best you can hope for. So slaying the dragon. And I'll tell you, one of the mistakes I see a lot of advisors make, and you didn't ask this, but I'm going to anticipate that you would have asked this. One of the big mistakes a lot of advisors are making right now is they give problem, 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 problem. And then they give product as the solution. And that's the worst possible thing to do. You should never even mention product in a workshop. Uh, product is the last thing. I'm the solution. Working with an advisor is the solution. Working with a professional is the solution. But if they don't solve the problem, there's no reason to come see you. There's no, nobody sets an appointment if they don't think you can solve their problem. So creating the dragon, very critical, slaying the dragon, even better. And that's the metaphor for the relationship. And that's why people will bond with you. I love that so much. And what do you think, <laughs> you know, there's the, there's the, um, I think of it, it's kind of like an old school mentality of like a secret sauce, right? Like, oh, come me, I can only I can do X, Y, and Z. And I'm not going to tell you what it is. But if you meet with me, we'll be able to oh. do whatever. Some advisors think like, well, if I tell them everything, they're going to go do it on their own. And I don't want to do that. I want them to come to me for the solution. Like, where's that happy medium? Or is that even a concern anymore that someone's going to go do it themselves? It, that, that's a great question. I think a lot of advisors fear that. And I hear this all the time. I can't, I don't want to give them too much. I don't want to give away everything because then they'll take my ideas. They'll go someplace else. That's not true. That's absolutely not true. I just wrote a piece on, on the fever model. And, and one of the stories I tell in there is about a, a carpenter. I had a, I'll tell them very briefly. I don't want to take too much time. I had a carpenter come to the house. He was working on some other stuff. And I asked him a question about this chop saw. I don't know if you've seen one of these chop saw. I love these things. I don't know how to use it, but I wanted to buy one. And I said, should I get a chop saw? I want to do this thing. He gave me this detailed explanation. He drew the drawing. He told me what to spend. He did everything to help me solve my own problem and do my own project. He told me everything that I needed to know. So I hired him. <laughs> and, and the question then is, wait a minute, wait a minute. He gave you all that information. And he even said this to me, I told you everything you need to know. And I said, yeah, what you told me is that I need a professional. So I give away at workshops, everything. I tell them everything. And the more confidence that that gives them the sense that I have tremendous confidence, number one, because I'm not attaching strings to every single, oh, you got to come see me if you want to know the truth. No, none of that. I give them everything. And then they walk out and they go, this guy really knows his stuff. Sounded pretty complicated. Do you want to try it ourselves? No, let's hire him. Let's hire him. That's what we want. That's what they want. They want you. They don't want ideas. They don't want information. And you'll hear people say, oh, I just came for information. No, they didn't. They came because they were looking for an advisor. And if they say that to you, that means you didn't inspire them. You didn't connect with them. They're lying to you. They were looking for love. You didn't give them love. They're looking for someplace else. So that's a very insightful point, though, Brad. You're 100% right, I think. So very powerful. And this podcast is brought to you by White Gloves Podcast Connect Program a done-for-you, fully integrated podcasting system that will help you keep in touch with all of your leads. And I think too, you know, we talk, I talk to a lot of advisors and they say they're, 
the, their least favorite clients, let's maybe say it in a nice way, their least favorite clients to work with are the do-it-yourselfers, right? Because they're just constantly second-guessing. They're not, you know, they want to do everything themselves. So I almost think too, if you're giving a seminar and you say, hey, here's all of the, here's all the tools, here's exactly, here's the blueprint, here's what you do, that that real do-it-yourselfer is going to take that and leave and you don't want to deal with them anyway, right? Exactly. You want the, you know, to quote Frank, you want the person that's going to get in the rowboat, right? They're not going to fight you when you're handing out the paddle there. Yeah. One of the one interesting thing you mentioned, one of the common objections that people will hear is I'm just here for the info. Yeah. What other common objections do you think people giving seminars run into and how the heck do you get past some of those? I know the first one off the top of my head is, well, I don't have any money. That's what, <laughs> and what we always talk to advisors about is like, look, if, if, if you walk out of a seminar and you come to me and you say, Hey, those people didn't have any money. My first question is, well, one, how do you know, like, <laughs> are you asking them in front of everybody? And two, I always say, and maybe I'm wrong here, but I always say, look, if they flat out say to you, look, I don't have any money. They're telling you one thing. And then it doesn't have anything to do with their finances. It has something to do with, I don't want you calling me. Bingo. Like that's what they're really saying. Bingo. So what do you think? So how would you get past that? that objection. I don't have any money. I don't have any investable assets, just shopping, right? Just browsing. <laughs> right. Right. Well, f first thing the advisor needs to understand is that people who don't come to workshops who don't have money, people without money don't come to workshops. It's that simple. They're, they all have money. And if they say that to you, it's the only thing they can say that guarantees you will not follow up with them. So what they what they really should be saying to you is, listen, I came, I've got a lot of money. I've got a lot of problems, but you're not my guy. You just turned me off. I didn't like you. You know, you made me angry. You confused the hell out of me and we're going someplace else. So I have no money. Leave me the hell alone. That's basically the paragraph that you don't get to see. Okay. That's, so that's I, in between I, those two lines, right? Exactly. No money. Yeah, no, nobody says right here. Yeah. <laughs> so how do you, how do you deal with that as the advisor? Well, the first thing is I don't accept it. Okay. If somebody says to me, I don't have any money, I'd say, listen, of course you have money. Of course you do. I understand. People without money don't come to workshop. And I would say this to them. Fr frankly, I would, I would deal with it long before that. But, it, but if you ask me how I handle the objection, so I'd say, of course you have money. Please listen to me. If I'm not your guy, I understand. I'm obnoxious. I'm arrogant. I probably pissed you off tonight. I really apologize. And that's okay. If I'm not the advisor for you, please get help from a professional. And so I take it away from you must get in my lifeboat to you must get in a lifeboat. <laughs> We're trying to save you. Of course, you have money. I know you have money. Saying you don't is the only thing you can say to me. I understand that. Please get in somebody's lifeboat because you need help. At, that's your last chance, I think, to disarm them and to maybe take some of the dislike that they feel for you <laughs> away. And then the follow-up the, the follow becomes critical because, and I think you know this, I never let people go who've come to my workshop. I will drip on you till the rapture, okay? I, forever and ever, basically. <laughs> because you never know what changes. And they may think that they didn't like you, but over time, that softens and something changes in their life. They'll remember you. I drip very positively over a long period of time. All value, no sales stuff. And then I get them eventually. I hate to say it, but I get you. I'll get you eventually. I love that. And 
And you're right, because some of the things that may be the reason they don't like you at the seminars, because you're saying something that's true and they don't, Mm -hmm. I mean, they're not ready to hear it yet, right? Mm -hmm. They may not want to hear that, hey, you're not set up for retirement the way you really should be. And now they're offended by that because they're a do-it-yourselfer because they work with their cousin and he's got them all set up perfectly and blah, blah, blah. (laughs) So yeah, they may not want a meeting right away, but yeah, in two years when something else happens, right? I always say that there's, there's two ways to pick up a client. One is to stand in front of them or talk to them and turn that light bulb on, right? To say, hey, you need me and this is why. And they're like, oh, illuminate. Yeah, that's great. I absolutely need you. And that's salespeople find that the warm and fuzzies, right? When someone says, oh, please let me do business with you, please, right? We love those people. <laughs> and then the people that walk out like, nah, I'm not really interested in what you have. You know, we get sad about that for the mm-hmm. most confident salesperson and speaker in the world. You get sad when people walk out and they don't care what you had, you know, care what you had to say. Sure. My thought is there's two ways to do it, right? You either turn that light bulb on, which you're going to get some people immediately. And the other way is to be there, right? When that light bulb turns on for themselves and they're like, mm. oh gosh, now I need this. And oh yeah, that's right. I heard Brad say that two years ago and now he's been in my face for two full years. Now I'm ready to talk to him. Let's talk a little bit about, so we get to the end of the seminar and someone's like, oh, I'm just here for information. I'm just, I don't have any money. I don't like you. Um, how do you back that up into the actual seminar and get the right people to raise their hand and start working with you? How do you cause that, that chain of effects that says, oh yeah, you know what? I do need that help, but also kind of proactively kind of, I mean, filter is probably the wrong word, but proactively get the people in the audience that you need to help, get them to come say, yes, I want to work with you, Frank. That's, that's a very interesting question. P- part of the way that I would do that is some of the stories that I would tell. And this is going to sound manipulative, and maybe it is a little bit, but I tell stories and I kind of modify the stories that I'm telling on the spot to fit what I see in the room. Now, again, on a webinar, impossible to do that. So you have to make certain assumptions. Okay, so I'll just try to, I'll try to make my stories fairly generic and broad enough so that many people in that audience can feel connected to that story. So stories are a very powerful way to get audiences to say, yeah, I see myself in that role. And I have that same problem that that person that he's describing had. And yeah, I can feel that connection now. So that's a very good way. Number one. Number two is I generally assume that everybody in the room needs help. I go into the workshop process with that assumption in mind. And so I'm ready for a 100% appointment ratio. I don't screen audiences. A lot of advisors, and I hate to say this, but a lot of advisors make visual assessments in a, in a live workshop. You can't do this webinar, but in a live workshop, they'll look at the audience and go, no money, no money, no money, yes money, maybe money. Very, very bad thing to do. When I was working as an advisor many years ago, one of the lessons we learned was called the Yankee mentality. I don't know if you're familiar with this. No, tell me. Now I'm intrigued. (laughs) Well, the the Yankee, and I started in the Northeast. So this is prevalent, probably more so in the Northeast than other parts of the country. But there's something called the Yankee mentality. The wealthiest person in the room is the one who looks the bummiest, drove in the plainest car, okay? Uh, Doesn't have the Rolex, doesn't have the nice clothes, just looks like a dreg of humanity. That's the multimillionaire in the room. Do not make assumptions based on physicality, on, on any physical observation you can use. 
So I think that's a big mistake that a lot of advisors make and there are many ways to do that. I'm guessing in other parts of the country, this may, may not be true, perhaps, but don't make any assumptions about the audience, except that they all have money and they all need your help. That's why they came because you're not doing the steak dinners. I mean, if you, and I know White Glove, you guys still do the dinner stuff, right? I mean, you, you would support that or probably yeah, we, not, though. No, we do. We still, if an advisor feels most comfortable with the steak and the cheesecake time, I always say cheesecake time where you can schmooze with them a little bit and sit down at the table and all of that. We'll absolutely do it. But most advisors that work with us, it's probably about 90, 95% of our events. There's no food. They're okay. there just to learn. Yeah. So, so who the hell's coming to learn without a steak dinner unless they have a need? I mean, the answer is nobody. I think we've, we've beaten this up pretty much, but I do miss the cheesecake though. I used to take I home know. a lot of cheesecake. I know. I really like, I'm a sucker for cheesecake. I, that's my one dessert. I'm just like, Ooh, just keep it away from me. Cause I won't stop eating. There's never too much. What's interesting is you used to, a million years ago, I used to work in um, construction sales and probably the most wealthy construction, you know, business owners would come in throughout the week and they would be in ripped up jeans, dirty sweatshirts, a ball cap on, they drive a beat up piece of junk truck. And that guy had X millions of dollars. And yeah. every once in a while, you'd see him on a Sunday cruising around in their Maserati. But I mean, <laughs> yeah, if that guy sat in a seminar, unfortunately to say most of my, a lot of advisors would say, Hey, this guy's got no money. Look at his jeans are all ripped up. And yeah. they to a certain point too, if you're going to an educational event at a library or community center, you're going to dress down a little bit. You're not wearing your suit, right? But on top of that, it's a little bit of a defense mechanism to say, hey, you know what? I don't want this guy hounding me. I'm going to, I'm going to dress down. I'm going to dress the part of person than someone that's browsing and have the advisor go hound the guy over there in the cardigan and leave me alone. That's so it's, a good it's, point. it's another way to kind of build that wall. Yeah, um, good point. But one thing, Frank, how do you, one thing I really want to hear from you is just how do you structure a presentation? Like what are the, if you had to pick three key points to structure your presentation, I'm brand new. I don't know what the heck I'm doing. Like, what should I focus on really getting right? If I screw everything else up, but I get these three things right, let's say, and I'm just picking the number three. It could be four, it could be two. Uh, what would you tell an advisor? Make sure you do this correctly. Well, I, I think you need an opening. I think you, you, it, everything starts within the first minute or two of the workshop. I think that's where you really grab the audience's attention and you send them a message that this is going to be a powerful show. This is going to be an exciting moment. And in theater, I mean, I go back to theater a lot because there's a lot of parallels. Frankly, in theater, there's an overture. What's the purpose of the overture? The overture is like, holy cow, it's every song in the show condensed. It's exciting. And then the curtain goes up. So you need an opening of some kind. You don't necessarily need the dollar bill or the other power openings that I've created, but do something within the first two minutes of that workshop that sends the message that this is going to be valuable and important. And boy, you're glad they're there and they're going to get a great show. That's number one. Number two, you need organization to the body of the delivery of the workshop. You need to deliver an organized presentation because audiences struggle to figure out where they are in the journey sometimes. Very, very difficult on a webinar, but both live and in webinar, you need some sort of structure. So I generally say, folks, I'm going to show you three things tonight. We're going to talk about, I like the number three. There's a magic to the number three. We don't get into the psychology. It could be four, it could be five, whatever. But I give them a low number. I don't do this 15 things you need to know. <laughs> That's too much. Three things, four things you need to know. We're going to hit them really hard. 
when you leave here tonight, you're going to know exactly what to do. And then I think you need a good close. Um, you know, you bookend the seminar with a power opening and a power close. And the power close is where you bring it all together. And then you say, in, in not these words, but you basically say, look, you need a professional to guide you on this journey. And I've been using, you've seen it, I've been using the Harbor Pilot. I've fallen in love with this story. It's just such a great analogy for what professionals do in our industry today. It's, I like the mountain, the up the mountain, down the mountain. I'm the Sherpa who takes you down the mountain, blah, blah, blah. I love the Harbor Pilot 10 times more than that because that's much more apt to what we do. The Harbor Pilot guides you into retirement. The journey's been 30 years on the open ocean. You didn't hit anything. You come into the harbor, you're going to hit 50 things. Now you need <laughs> a specialist. I mean, basically, that's what it comes down to. The open ocean journey is very risk-free. Storms, you get blah, 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 but you don't hit anything. As soon as you get to the harbor, there's 500 things that you're going to hit and you can sink the ship. That's why every ship needs a harbor pilot. I'm a retirement specialist. Let me help you. And then we've written this all up in ad nauseum. So good opening. Great organization in the middle with emotions and then a great close. And then that's as much as you can do. What else can you do? That's it. Yeah, you just have to be liked, right? Just liked and trusted and show that you know something, you know, speak to people, not above them, all that good stuff. You know, I know we're coming right up on time here, but maybe for the, the last question I'll ask you, Frank, is, you know, you and a little bit me to a lesser degree, but you're a like charismatic, fun-loving, enjoyable human being, right? Mm. Seminars for you is like, yeah, get me up there. I am eager. Put me on stage, boss, I'm in. And White Glove does all that, right? We will put a human being in, on, on a stage where they get to talk to 20 households. What would you say to the advisor that's never done seminars or maybe doesn't think public speaking is all it's cracked up to be? Um, I sense a lot of frustration sometimes from advisors that are buying leads or trying to basically do cold calling because they're just getting names and numbers from other lead generation companies. What would you say to them to kind of ease their fears of, you know what, get on stage, it's going to work for you? That's interesting. It's kind of hard for you and I to understand people who are afraid to get on stage, but that's the majority of humanity. It really is. The first thing I would tell an advisor is have, have confidence in yourself because just the act of becoming a financial advisor, the, the skills that you innately have without even knowing it, put you in the top 1% of humanity in terms of your ability to communicate with other people. So you're, you're probably a hell of a lot better than you think you are. That's number one. Number two, get some help, get some coaching. The skills necessary to become a really great presenter, virtual or live, doesn't really matter. Those skills are completely learnable. This isn't magic. N none of this is, this isn't Harry Potter land, okay? <laughs> you, you can learn this stuff. And you may not be able to, you may not be able to duplicate someone else's style, which is why I, first thing I tell advisors is I'm not creating little mini me's out here. That's not my goal at all. It's to help you find your style. What's your best style? Okay. What makes you the most credible, believable, lovable presenter? Where's your sense of humor? How do we get humor into the equation? Humor is a very big deal. We could spend an entire day talking about humor. So th that's number two, get some help. And then with the coaching, don't think that you're ever alone. When you work, and I'm not doing a white glove commercial here, but when you work with white glove, you're never alone. You, you have people with tremendous experience who 
exist to help you be better at what you do. I mean, the better they are, the more white glove loves it. <laughs> Am I wrong? I mean, the worst yeah, thing you could have yeah. from a white glove perspective, the worst thing is an advisor who tries two or three seminars and then goes away forever because they didn't work. That sucks. That's ridiculous. And there's absolutely no need for that. So get help. If it's not me, if it's not Dan Collison, if it's not one of the other coaches, get help from the white glove people. Get you. You know, you help people all the time. So don't go this battle alone. You're better than you think you are. You can learn the skills necessary to succeed and get help because we're out here and we exist to help you. So there you go. I love it. Thanks so much for being <laughs> on the show, Frank. Like, like Frank mentioned, if you want to connect with myself or Frank, absolutely do that. When you're working with White Glove, you get access to Frank. We've partnered with him for many years and it's always enjoyable. And I always learn something talking to you. So thank you very much, sir. Thank you, Brad. Take care. Don't miss any episode of Be Advised Leading with Value. I mean, where else are you going to hear discussions of cheesecake dripping till the rapture, Harry Potter? Seriously. So f follow or subscribe to this podcast. And of course, please rate, review, and share. This podcast is brought to you by White Gloves Podcast Connect Program, a done-for-you, fully integrated podcasting system that will help you keep in touch with all of your leads. Thank you for listening to Be Advised Leading with Value with Brad Swinehart. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of White Glove. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service providers with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.